Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. So tonight I want to discuss a very, very important topic, which is I think one of the most important topics for us to discuss as fellow Jews We see so many people who are like us, so many people who are not like us, and sometimes we want to find a way to love every Jew. How do we love every Jew? So I want to share with you that my personal journey to this topic went as follows. There was a person who lived in town here who I was friendly with, and then he did something that I just said, I can't, I can't tolerate this. This is against my values. It's against my morals. It's against my ethics. It's against everything I believe in. And I had a disdain and a hatred for this person. But it bothered me because we know we're supposed to love every Jew. You should love your fellow like yourself. This person lived in my neighborhood. And there I couldn't walk into the room I, just to see him you know, at the Kiddush. I didn't even want to go there. It's like, ugh. It's like I, I felt it wasn't right. So I decided I was going to give a three-week series on loving every Jew with the intention that I learn how to love this individual. And it really changed my life. It was a transformative experience because I learned something that's, I'll give you the end first. Everybody has something special. Everybody has something unique in their character, in their mitzvahs, in their existence that is special. And if you think about it, anybody who's been in any type of loving relationship knows that the person they love so much also has some flaws. So how can we love someone who has flaws? You know how we love them? Because we choose to focus on their virtues, on their qualities. Every human being has virtues, every human being has qualities, and every single human being also has flaws but it depends on what you're going to choose to focus on. If you choose to focus on their flaws, then you'll have hatred. If you choose to focus on their qualities, you'll love them. And it's why if you wonder, I've had many couples come to me, I tell them I'm not a therapist, I can't help you with your, but I just want, you know, I talk to them, I can encourage you, I'll definitely send you to therapy because it's very important for couples to have a way to to learn to communicate and to bring about the love that is required in a relationship. But how is it possible that this couple 
loved each other so much and now they hate each other so much because there's a certain point where they shift from focusing on the qualities and they start focusing on the flaws. And when you start focusing on the flaws is when the love diminishes. When we focus on the qualities, we focus on the virtues that each individual has in every single person. There's a story in the Gemara, one of the great Tanaim, one of the great Tanaic sages was walking with his students in the forest and they were learning. And they saw a carcass of a donkey. And the students, they're like, Ugh, the putrid smell, it stinks. And what did the rabbis teach them? He says, but look at its teeth. Its teeth are so beautiful and white. You choose to see what you want to see. If you focus on the good, if you focus on the qualities, you'll see the good. Everything, even the carcass of an animal, has something beautiful that you can focus on. And it's our choice of what we want to focus on. So I want to introduce you to the book I want to learn together. And it's called Beyond Darkecha, which is from Rebbe Meyer Morgenstern, lives in Yerushalayim. He's a pious Hasidic Jew who actually has an, an American background, speaks English. And when I was in Israel a few, uh, about 12 months ago, almost a year ago, I had the great privilege of meeting with him. And it was at 3 o'clock in the morning. I was leaving the Western Wall. And it was, it was, it was late, really late. So I get into my car and I'm pulling out of Shara Ashpot, out of the, uh, out of the old city. And there are three Hasidish yeshiva boys hitching a ride. So I stop. So where do you guys need to go? They tell me I need to go to this and this neighborhood. I said, oh, that's exactly where I'm going. Tell me exactly where you need to go. They're like, it's okay. Just leave us on the main road. I said, no, no tell me exactly where you need to go. It's three o'clock in the morning. I'm not leaving you in the middle of a road. So they said, okay, we're, we're going to this and this base medish. I said, base medish, a study hall, at three o'clock in the morning. It's unbelievable. I said, whose study hall is this? They're like, someone you never heard of. I said, just tell me, tell me who. They said, it's Rebitcher Meyer Morgenstern. I said, Rebitcher Meyer Morgenstern. I said, I have to go with you. I'm taking you to the door. I said, is, how do I meet him? They said, he's there now giving a lecture. We're going to his lecture. I said, I'm coming with you to the lecture. I need to speak to him. They're like, what do you have with Rebitcher Meyer? I said, I learn his books every week. I study his forum. Every week I have a study partner every Thursday night. And I love his books. I need to go meet with him. So they said, okay. Okay, fine. So I, we pull up to the base medrash. And we walk in, and the place is busy, busy, things happening. People are learning that it's 3 o'clock in the morning. So they immediately call me, and they're like, the Rebbe is waiting for you. I walk right into, the, into, into his room. He had just finished his, his lecture. And he gives like a four or five-hour lecture. It's like he's wiped out. I come in, ask him my name, where am I from? He says to me, so what do you do in Houston? I said, I teach Torah. He says, what type of Torah do you teach? I said, the Torah of Hashem. She says, yeah, but what type of Torah? So I said, tell me. You think your books that you write isn't Musr? And you think the books that my grandfather wrote isn't Hasidus? I can show you line and verse where exactly what I learned here from the Hasidus is exactly what's written in my grandfather's book, which is known as a Musr book. And this is known as a Hasidus book. 
but they're the exact same Torah coming from different angles. And this we have to understand that Torah Achasi. It's one Torah. There are many different ways to get to it. It says that the righteous, it says, In, in, the, in the end of times, the Almighty will have a big circle. Hashem will be the king in the middle, and he'll have a big circle, and all of the righteous will be dancing around. And everyone is going to say, This is our God. But you know what's funny? Everyone's going to be in an equal distance to the Almighty, so to speak. But also, everyone's going to be pointing, that's my God. But everyone's pointing in a different direction. Everyone's pointing in a different, because everyone sees things differently. It says that when Hashem had the, gave us the revelation at Mount Sinai, we were just celebrated the holiday of Shavuos. Every single person heard their own language. They heard something that spoke directly to them. It's the same Torah. Torah Achasi. This one heard Anochi Hashem in the way that means something to him. And the other person heard Anochi Hashem the way that means something special to him. Every person was able to connect in their own way. Everyone has their own specialty in Torah. And we have to dissect that Torah. We have to open it up and make that Torah flourish. Because everyone has something unique to offer. Everyone has their own Torahs, their own specialty. Everyone goes, what am I... What do I have to offer, right? What am I? I don't I didn't write any books. I don't have any of my own stuff. But you look, look at all the books. Everyone's bringing from ten other people. Right? I, I opened up. We're starting soon a new series on prayer. I'm doing a lot of research on prayer. I mean, everyone is quoting ten other books, but no one has their own thing, their own ideas. Everyone's bringing. That's the ideas. That it's not the Torah doesn't belong to anyone. I want you to know something. The Torah tells us is the end of Deuteronomy. Morasha, it says Torah Tzivalanu Moshe. The Torah was commanded to us by Moshe. Morasha Kihilas Yaakov. It's an inheritance and right Yerusha, an inheritance Kihilas Yaakov of the Jewish people. There's Torah that says your name on it. It's your Torah. The way you understand it, the way you bring light to it, the way you bring clarity to it the way you share it with love, with joy, it's your Torah. You don't have to be a rabbi to own the Torah. It's yours. It belongs to every single individual. You know what I'm saying? Your Torah. Your Torah. So let's take a look at what Rabbi Meyer says here on loving every Jew. He says, Kol echad Each and every one of us we want to love every Jew. We want to deep inside. Just exactly how Hashem commanded us just a few weeks ago in the Torah portion, we learned you should love your fellow as yourself. Simply understood to love every Jew it's not an easy task. To love every Jew. He doesn't have a yamaka like me. He doesn't daven in the same shul as me. You know, they don't keep the same in hugam as I do. Everyone, we get a little bit, uh, we get our, our feathers ruffled. Ki, eich efshar kasher belev emet shel ava im adam lomukar. Also, how can you have a love and an affection for someone you don't even know who they are? Or someone who does something which is foreign to you. 
right? Think people who do things like I do. That's who I love. We're all part of the same, the same uh, world. But if someone has different customs than me, eh, they don't. They don't know what they're doing. Eh, they don't. Right? Sometimes it's very difficult to have a real deep internal love. Even with your own friends, the people who you do have a friendship with, and you have a an admiration for, to love them completely. Especially when you see their flaws. Like we mentioned, it's very hard to love someone you see their flaws. But if you see their virtues, you see their qualities, then it's easy to love them. But what's if you see their flaws? If your friend is bothering you, your friend is causing you pain, your friend insults you, how can you love them? How can you forgive them? So it's a difficult thing. You know, the Torah doesn't say only love your fellow as yourself if you like them. It says love your fellow as yourself even if you don't like them. You still have to love them. It's very interesting that the, the, the Pasuk tells us also, you should not hate your fellow in your heart. It's a biblical commandment, by the way. It's not like, you know, one of those, oh, that's just Midrash. I can give you a whole speech on that. That's also Torah. It says, you should not hate your fellow in your heart. You know what that means? That if you have a hatred towards someone in your heart, you're not allowed to leave it in your heart. You have to go and tell them. I was once witness to such a story. There was a guy who lived here many years ago in Houston. He was a male. And he was very upset at someone that didn't hire him for his son's bris. He had to bring someone from out of town just that I shouldn't do your son's bris, really? And you have to fly someone in and do a whole geschäft and a whole thing just so that I won't be your son's male. Really? He was very upset about it. And I was there when he confronted him and he told him, he says, I just want you to know it's a mitzvah in the Torah. You shouldn't hate your fellow in your heart. He says, I want you to know I have a hatred towards you for not hiring me to do your son's bris. And I learned from this experience why Hashem writes this in the Torah. Because immediately the person went on to say about how it was such a misunderstanding. He says, the person I hired is my first cousin. And we were best friends growing up. And when he told me that he's going to be a male, I said, yeah, right. And actually he became a male. And I felt like my cousin, I have to, I have to invite him to be my son's male. He said, there's nothing against you. It's not somebody, just some stranger. This is, this is my, my relative, and that's why I brought him. But I would have, of course I would have hired you. He says, you know what? It's okay. I, I, I don't know why I took it so personal. And they hugged, and they gave each other a kiss. And I was like, wow, that's why Hashem gives us this commandment. Because if you keep it in your heart, you can walk around your whole life with grievances, with anger, for a misunderstanding. Because you saw it a certain way. Because you thought that, he, oh, he was out to get me. All you have to do is take it out of your heart. It shouldn't be in your heart. Talk it out. You'll see nine out of ten times it's a misunderstanding.
and we all understand from this to judge every person favorably is the same exact thing. We see a, a, a snapshot and we're like, that's it. I saw with my own eyes. What, what did you see with your own eyes? You only saw a little picture. You know, the difference between a video and a camera and a photograph is the video, you can see more than just one frame. You see usually 60 frames per second. That's why it's motion. It's You see many, many different frames that are moving very fast. A photograph is just one frame. That's it. Most people, we look with our eyes, we catch, catch a picture, and that's it. We saw the whole picture. No. You saw one little frame. You didn't see the whole, the whole story. And we many times convince ourselves, I saw the whole story. person needs to be very careful. So he continues, he says, Aval, however, the Torah wasn't given to the angels. It wasn't given to all of the lofty beings. It was given to humanity. Hashem gave it to us. If Hashem gave it to us, don't you think that we can attain this great level of loving every person? To love every fellow like ourselves? And by the way, how much do we love ourselves? A lot. We love ourselves a whole lot. You know, we're very close with ourselves. Nobody needs to tell us when we're hungry. We know when we're hungry. Nobody needs to tell us when we're thirsty. We know. We feel it. We know when we're, when we're tired. We know when we need the restroom. We know ourselves. But do we know our fellow, the person sitting next to us? Do we know what they need? How should I know? That's the level Hashem wants us to be at of sensitivity, of care, of concern, of the person sitting next to us, of our fellow. As much as we're in touch with ourselves, we should be in touch with them. And we should know another person and care about another person the same way we care about ourselves. There has to be a way for a person to attain this level. That we can attain this great level of love for our fellow Jew. And to get to this level, that when we see another Jew, whoever he may be, that we'll be happy to see him. With the abundance of love that we have for another Jew, because we're primed, because we're trained, because we're skilled in this art of loving our fellow like ourselves. So this is attainable, and that's the goal. The goal is that by the time we're done, not only tonight, hopefully it'll be a long series, you don't kick me out, and we'll be able to continue this for a long time, but for us to get to a point where we can actually look at another Jew who doesn't look like us, who doesn't follow our customs, who doesn't live the way we live, in, in either they're the extreme to the right, they're extreme to the left. Everyone ha- We're always in the middle of the road. You realize that, right? I have the right path. Everybody here is an extremist. Everybody over there, they just don't care about their Judaism. That's the way we all feel. We're all in the middle of the road. Everybody else is nuts. When we see someone who's different than us, sometimes a little judgment can go into our mind. Ah, they're, they're like that and they're like that. And it's very, very difficult for a person to love their fellow Jew if they can't see beyond that. So how do we get to merit to love every Jew? 
How do we merit to that? See, so he says, The way we merit to loving every Jew, is to go into the internal, into the world of internal existence. Who are we inside? What does that mean? When you see another Jew, do you know what you really need to be seeing? Look at the internal of him. Who is he really? Look at his neshama. Look at his soul. It's a piece of the Almighty. You know what it says when God created man? You know what God created? He formed a human. What does it say? God blew into his nostrils a living soul. What, what did God do? He blew into his nostrils a living soul. Do you know that every single human being, when they come into this world, God blows into their nostrils a living soul. That soul is what we have within us that sustains us, and our body is the clothes that protects that soul. We're here to service that soul. You can have a beautiful car, but if you don't have the engine, it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to do anything. But you can't only have an engine either. You need to have the vessel. That's what we are. We're a mixture of the vessel, the outside part, the physical body, and the engine, which is our soul. We spoke about this yesterday in our in our masterclass last night. We talked about taking care of our body physically, our health, our personal health, how it's critical. Because if we don't, and it's part of the mitzvah the Rambam brings, it's part of the mitzvah of nishmartem od lenafshosechem. It should say legufechem. You should be very careful for your body. It doesn't say that. You should be very careful for your soul. And therefore, take care of your body because it's housing your soul. So when you look at another Jew, don't look at their external. Look at their internal. You know, it's a very interesting thing. You have today many Jews. A side note. Anytime you see an extremist in the world, anytime you see an extremist in the world, just know they're Jewish. Okay? Any extremist you've ever seen in the world. Houdini was a Jew. And you look at all of these great magicians who will be frozen in an icebox for 17 hours. They're all Jews. And you see the biggest thieves. Hashem Yirachem, Hashem should forgive us all. They're all Jews. How is it? Why is it? My rabbi once asked this question. My rabbi once asked, he says, I don't understand. If you look at all of the extremists on planet Earth, they're all Jews. By the way, Karl Marx was a Jew too. Everyone that you see in this world that's an extremist, by the way, all of the tree huggers, they're all Jews, and all of the save the whales, they're all Jews, and all of the save the turtles, they're all Jews. Their name is Sarah Silverstein, okay? You'll see, go look on their websites, and you'll see that the CEO is some, some Jewish yenta from, uh, from Flatbush, you know, that, that uh, she ended up in North Carolina, and now she's worried about the uh, turtles. It's an unbelievable thing. Why? Why do Jews have such an extremist mentality? So I'll tell you, it's an amazing thing. My rabbi said, I'll bring you, I'll bring you my own mashal, my own parable. You ever see a vacuum cleaner? Everybody knows how a vacuum cleaner works, right? It's, it's 
sucking up dirt. All it needs is dirt, right? You ever take a vacuum cleaner and it eats up the pretzels? Uh, that's the best sound. How the pretzels run through the nozzle of the of the vacuum. That sound is just perfect, right? That that's what it's meant for. What happens if you take the nozzle out of the the thing that goes on the floor? And you let it loose. What's going to happen? It's going to catch on to your skirt or pants. It's going to catch on to the tablecloth. It, why? What? What's the? Don't you know that that's not dirt? No, no, no. I just need something. Give me, give me something. Give me something. Our our neshama is the same thing, but with spirituality. It's saying, "I'm hungry. Give me something holy. Give me something spiritual. If you're not going to give me that, I'm just going to grab onto anything." And they grab onto all the crazy things. And if you wonder why all the extremists are Jews, is because they have a neshama that's constantly yearning for kirvas elokim. It's constantly yearning for a connection with Hashem. And if you're not giving it that, it's going to find a different way. And they give it excuse of tikkun olam, which is a total, total mistake on what that means. It's a total mistake of what that means. Most of the people who will quote Tikkun olam, don't even know where it comes from. Right? We say, letaken olam to correct our world with godliness, with the kingship of Hashem, bringing the cognizance, bringing the recognition of Hashem into this world so people can understand, people can connect to the Almighty. But we'll leave that for another time. So, you have to understand that every soul is a, a particle, so to speak, of the Almighty. Now, you have to be careful with this. Don't run around saying that Hashem has parts and pieces. Hashem is echad. Hashem is one. Hashem doesn't have pieces that he's giving out to everybody. But it's so that we can understand conceptually that we're living in an existence where Hashem is the infuser of our soul. Shehi mamash. And what you want to do is connect with that godliness that's inside that person. Every person has that spark of God in him. And that's what you want to connect to. To see this Jew who doesn't dress like me, who isn't a member of the same synagogue as me, who doesn't act the way I act, who doesn't send their kids to the school that my kids go to, who, him too, they're also part of Hashem's Shechina, of the presence of Hashem in this world. We have to recognize that we have to always be looking deeper. We have to always be looking deeper. Because we need to internalize that the truth is that every single creation they're not independent. We think, oh, here's one individual, another individual, another individual. Everyone's their own thing. Everyone is a vessel to reveal Hashem's light in this world. Everyone, like we said in the beginning of tonight's class, Everyone has the ability to reveal their own Torah, their own light of Hashem to this world. Ubefrat Yehudi. More than any other creation, a Jew. That's our job. Ben Shel Hashem You're a child of the Almighty. This is the purpose 
with which we came to this world. We came to this world to fulfill a mission. Bring God into this world. I'm just going to end off with one story. I've shared it numerous times. You've heard this before, but I was once walking in Costco, and I've been identified as a Jew many times, walking in Walmart, wherever I go, Randall's, Kroger, wherever, and people, you know, you're Jewish? Ah, God bless the Jewish people, the chosen people. I get that all the time. I don't know how they can tell, like what gives it away. So I had a guy stop me in Costco, an elderly man. And he says to me, you're Jewish. I said, yes, guilty as charged. He says, are those tzitzit? I said, yes. He says, can I touch them? I said, please go right ahead. See, he grabs my tzitzit. And while he's holding them, he says to me, do you understand your responsibility? You people, the Jews, you're the chosen people of God. We, the nations of the world, we look up to the Jewish people to be an example. We're looking at you. We want you to lead. We want you to show us the right path to go in the way of God. Don't mess it up. I was like, wow. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, I was, sh- I was shaking by the time I was done with that, that statement. See, sometimes we live in this world and we're like, oh, they're looking at us. They're judging us. They're, no, no, no. They're looking for us to show leadership. They're looking for us to show the world. You look at every single country on planet Earth has laws based on our Torah. They look at our Ten Commandments and they mimic it. They look at our Torah, they look at our halacha, and they mimic it. And many times sourcing it in Exodus 20. Sourcing it in our Torah. Why? Our job is to be a light unto the nations. Our job is to be that vessel through which godliness comes to this world. When you see another Jew... How can we see something different than what the nations of the world see? When they see a Jew, they see, oh, this is a representative of the Almighty. And we have to carry ourselves with that banner, with that responsibility, to know we are responsible to be God's light in this world. God gave us a Torah. God expects us. And the nations of the world expect us to fulfill that role to be a light for them, to guide them what it means to be proper in business, what it means to be honest, what it means to be loving, what it means to be caring. That's our job. Hashem should bless us all. We should merit to attain this incredible level of loving every Jew. God willing, next week we'll continue. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcasts.com.